0: You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, episode 15, with your hosts, Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 15 of the Geek Watch Podcast. My name is Brian Hatcher, and with me as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello,
1: Brian.
0: So this past weekend, we saw Black Panther. We
1: saw Black Panther. We did not see it together. We did not. But we saw Black Panther.
0: And so, now that you've had some time to think about it, what are your thoughts on it?
1: Okay, Brian, how do I even begin? And I think everyone who has asked me, How's Black Panther? What do you think of Black Panther? And I am absolutely hardcore on this, that we are coming up on 130 years of motion picture production. To me, Mandy Petrie in Charleston, West Virginia, to me, this is the perfect film. Really? Yes. And when I tell people that, they're like, I don't know, Mandy, that's awful high praise. It's like, yes, but it, it, to me, this is the perfect film. It is Shakespearean. It is Sophoclean. It is Beowulf. It is Gilgamesh. It is such good storytelling and it is perfectly symmetrical. It comes around full circle so many times and. There's the Gestalt theorem. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Right. You take Black Panther and you remove any one element from this movie and it does not matter. It is still a wonderful movie. Yes, it's a superhero movie, but if there weren't superheroes in this movie, it is still a fantastic movie. It is Afrofuturism. If it didn't have Afrofuturism, it wouldn't matter. It would still be a fantastic movie. You could set this post-apocalyptic, the same story. It is fantastic. It's fantastic. Brian, it is it is so perfect. And every character, the villains, the heroes, they're all exactly right. There, No one is wrong. They're all in the right. And you disagree or you don't disagree, you know that they're, they are right. When are we going to do the spoiler warnings? Well, I, I think now is the time to <laughs> do this. Now is the time to do the spoiler now, warnings. Yeah, now is
0: the time to do the spoiler mm-hmm. warnings. So we're going to say that if you've not seen this movie yet, what are you doing? Yeah. But besides that... We're going to be here when you get back, so go ahead and turn off the podcast, go out and see the movie, then come back and listen to the podcast, because yes, we are going to go into spoiler territory, because a lot of what makes this movie great, you can't really talk about unless you go into spoilers. And so, from this point on, if you're still with us, then don't be mad if the movie gets <laughs> spoiled for you, because that's where we're going we're with this.
1: We're getting there. So you, you've heard this geek girl say that this is the perfect movie. It's entertaining, it is thought-provoking, it is socially important, and oh, it's vital. It's socially vital, and the fact that we had to wait until 2018 for something this amazing to happen is, is kind of upsetting. Like, we're coming up on 130 years of motion picture production, and there are some great movies out there, listeners. You'll never hear me say that there are not fantastic movies, and there are Pretty darn near perfect movies. I'd say Tombstone was pretty near perfect. It was great storytelling, and they got some historical facts wrong, but it made a good movie. It was entertaining. It was was good storytelling. And so to me, Black Panther, it's perfect. It's the the golden ratio Mm -hmm. (laughs) of filmmaking.
0: Because of the fact that it is a predominantly Black cast, you have a Black writer-director, and why that's important because there's not it's not like it's the first movie to have done that mm-hmm. i mean we've had these type of movies before we've had black superheroes before it's hardly the first black superhero either but what makes this movie important is that even with the amount of black cinema we've had in the past there's always been this myth in hollywood if you have a movie with a predominantly black cast and or a black writer, or director, is that it will appeal to black audiences, but not so much to white audiences, mm-hmm. and certainly not to a world stage. Mm-hmm. And because of that, studios don't advertise these films to a world community, and mm-hmm. so it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy Other people don't come to see this movie while you didn't advertise this movie to them. So, of course, Mm -hmm. they're not going to come see it. They haven't heard of it. You can't come to stuff that you don't hear. But, of course, with Marvel, they took it a different route, obviously. This is a superhero movie. Because it's a Marvel movie, that whole idea, that whole mythology doesn't play out. I mean, obviously, if it's a Marvel movie, it's for everyone. Because Marvel movies are meant to be for everyone. And Marvel also has this strength that It's its own brand, and it has a reputation at this point. You don't really need a name. Marvel is the name. And so since you don't have to put directors in that people know about or even actors that people know about, you don't need a star quality because the name Marvel Studios Mm -hmm. is the star quality. That allows Marvel Studios to cast talent. They can Mm -hmm. cast the best. It doesn't matter who's heard of... And it's
1: attracting the talent. Exactly. Yes. Uh
0: That's why you can get a Glenn Close in a Marvel movie. That's why you can get a Kenneth Branagh directing a Marvel movie. That's why you can get Angela Bassett and Forrest Whitaker into these Marvel movies. Because they know the quality is there. And because Marvel can... And here's the thing. I I don't want to say take a chance on a movie like Black Panther. Hollywood thinks it's a chance. They think they're taking a risk, and it's not. It's never been a risk because people appreciate talent. To say that a Black story doesn't appeal outside of the Black community, you don't understand what story is meant to do. Story is meant to bridge gaps. A story is meant to show people something they haven't seen before.
1: Right, and that's why the ancient stories have lasted so exactly. long. Exactly. I mean, that's why we have Antigone. That's why we have Hamlet. It's the human experience.
0: Exactly. And I guarantee you there wasn't one white person who walked out of Black Panther who was like, man, you know that part? I just didn't understand. I, I don't <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Because, again, Black stories, women's stories, are human stories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> That's it. And so for me, Black Panther was just a combination of great writing, great directing, great talent, acting it out. It's definitely going to be in my top three Marvel movies of all time, superhero movies. It's weird, but it is true that nobody in Hollywood has ever questioned that you couldn't make a movie with white people in it and put it in front of a black audience and black people wouldn't get it.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: There's never that assumption was ever made. To think it goes the other way, that makes no sense. But Black Panther found his audience because Marvel wasn't as stupid as everybody else. They're like, look people are going to get behind this film and of course they did and that's why they advertised it that's this why is they for had all everyone. these
1: everyone yes
0: it's for everyone and that's why they were able to do all these red carpet events around the world and people mm-hmm. turned up and they turned out for it
1: I, love I mean so much
0: they did well in a 4 day total and i'm it's going to sound like i'm about to bash somebody and i'm not in the first 4 day opening black panther made more money than justice league did its entire 13-week run in the theaters. Not to get on a tangent about (laughs) DC and Warner Brothers, but Marvel Studios just seems to do it so well. And they had so much faith in Black Panther and the story they were telling in Ryan Coogler, who, believe me, if you've seen Fruitvale Station, you've seen Creed. This wasn't a fluke. He knows what he's doing. He Mm -hmm. understands storytelling. To a point that I'm going to... I will say this. if If you go into this movie... There's a danger of assuming the cliché to a point where you think something cliché had happened it didn't. Just because you've seen it so many times, you'll expect it. I find it interesting that when I talk to some people about the movie, they'll recall some things that didn't happen in the film because it's a classic cliché. For example, when you ask about Michael B. Jordan's character, Mm -hmm. Killmonger, and you say, well... He took the throne. Why did he take it? it was it's because he wanted to take over the world. And he was going to use the power of Wakanda and their weaponry to do that. I'm like, no. Uh-uh. No, that's no. not what he's trying to do at all.
1: He absolutely, he had a right to challenge to the throne. He did. He, he absolutely did. did. And he saw things that the people of Wakanda have hidden themselves from. And saying, look at what's happening outside this place. If you look at the rest of the world. And he, he was absolutely right. Yeah. You uh, know? Well- Yes, he
0: created weapons that he wanted to change the world outside of Wakanda. Now, which I find interesting is when he sat on the throne, he did say this line, is that the sun would not set on the Wakandan Empire. Do you remember that? Yes. That line? That line is a historical reference. He even said he learned from his oppressors. It was once said that the sun never sets on the British Empire. And at one time that was true because they had colonies all over Mm -hmm. the place. It was that colonization that became a huge problem later on, because the colonization is where a lot of injustice came from, and where a lot of slavery came from, and a lot of oppression. And so, in a sense, even though he was trying to get rid of uh, oppression, he took a line of, of an oppressor of the British Empire, and that was directly out of history, and I found that interesting. But... As far as the weaponry and all of that, that's not the answer to the question, why did he want the throne? That was an answer to the question of, well, now that I have the throne, what do I do with it? I might as well do something good. And he was, in his opinion, he was doing good. He wanted to do the right thing. And to him, that was the right thing. Yes, he
1: was right. Yeah.
0: But it wasn't why he wanted the throne. And this is what is, to me, why this is such an amazing story, is... The biggest mistake that people make in telling stories is that they don't realize that all stories have a big story uh, of cause and effect, but it also has a small, personal, emotional story. And the big story isn't the most important part of it. It's the small, personal story. The big story is only there to drive the little story. The events that happen in the big story make the person confront the small personal story that's the whole point of it Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't know that that's why you get michael bay films lots of explosions (laughs) but nobody changes and there's no arc they're all concerned with the big picture and they're not worried about the small personal story which is what really drives story
1: that every person can relate to because everyone's been through that
0: but that's what we get in most movies so People who go in to see Black Panther think that Killmonger's entire motivation was, I want to go to Wakanda, become king, so that I can take the might of Wakanda and turn it upon the world. And that was not the main reason why he did it. He was a small child in a poor neighborhood. He saw his father struggle to end oppression. A black person in an urban setting feels like an outsider because that's the way they're treated by authority, by the police. And in
1: 1992, during the riots,
0: that was... Exactly. He saw the riots. And as geeks, we know what it feels like to be an outsider. Not necessarily in that level, but we all know what it feels like not to be understood and not to be a part of the world. And many of us have this fantasy that we don't belong here. There's some land far away where we belong that understands us. And this young boy learned that there was this magical land That was supposed to be his home, but it was cut off from him. He wasn't allowed to go there, but it was this place where he belonged. These were his people, and he learned about Wakanda. He had the tattoo on his lip. His father tried to make him a part of this culture that was his birthright, but he was cut off from it. And the whole point of him getting the throne was so he could go home. Because unless he's the king of Wakanda, it would never have been permitted for him to go home. He would never have been allowed to stay because of what he represented. His father's sin cut him off. And he just wanted to go home. And he couldn't. And so this whole thing was about getting back to Wakanda. Now, once he became the king of Wakanda, what does he do with that power? And he had ideas about it. But that certainly wasn't the main reason for doing it. The main reason was to get back to where he belonged. And the truth is T'Challa In that throne room, when he showed up, could have very well said, I know what your father did to my uncle, to your father. I know what he did to you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. Welcome home. Mm -hmm. He could have said that, but he didn't. Because that could have destabilized the rule of Wakanda. And T'Challa knew that. Mm -hmm. And so did Killmonger. And so the only option he had was to take the throne, and he knew how that was going to have to happen, and that's why he joined the army. Not because he had some lust to kill, but he had to learn how to do it, because he was going to have to fight to the death to come home, and so he had to get ready for that, and that's what he did. Where some people might say, well, he had a hard heart, and so he killed a bunch of people. It's a kind of a chicken-in-the-ache sort of a situation. It's the other way. Yes, when you kill a lot of people, it does harden you. Because it has to, because it becomes a protection for you. And so the type of person that he was came from the fact he was in the army, he he was an assassin. And keep in mind, people see all the marks on his body that represent all these people that he killed. The large majority of those marks were because somebody in a uniform said, take right. care of business. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because he was getting his jollies off on it. It's because he was in the military, and that was his job. And the better he got at his job, the more they kept throwing him mm-hmm. into these situations. But he was doing it because he was preparing. Because he had to. Because that was the, those were the rules that were set up in Wakandan society, is that if you're going to take the throne... It's in a trial by combat.
1: And he and had to this be a. amazing for that. Uh, technologically advanced society, the most technologically advanced society in the Marvel Universe. That they're still doing trial by combat and they still wear the traditional clothing. And can we just talk about Princess Shuri for a second? Oh, she yes. is my hero, Brian. Yes. I love her so much. When she says, this corset is uncomfortable, can we move on? That is every person in every ceremony. It doesn't matter if it's straw by combat. It doesn't matter in every ceremony. If if it's a wedding, this course is uncomfortable. Can we move on? Yeah. I love her so much. I love the fact that the most intelligent being, not human, not alien, the most intelligent being in this entire universe is a 16-year-old girl from Earth. I love it.
0: Oh, yes. (laughs) And again, going back to what you were talking about, Wakanda is this combination of Advanced technology, but a respect for tradition. Yes, which in a sense makes holograms
1: while you're weaving. (laughs) Exactly,
0: but that's the strength, and that's also the weakness of Wakanda. And it's the story of the utopia, which I find interesting that we're getting a utopia story because, especially in this day and age, our futuristic stories tend to be very dystopian. Yeah, and so Mm -hmm. a utopian society—you don't see that very often. But the story of the utopia is that it becomes very static because once you've reached this perfection, the plan is basically to keep everything the way that it is. And that is the. And exactly, there's no progress. And so you have that character, like the monkey character or the coyote, who's the troublemaker (laughs) who comes back to cause trouble and to stir things up and to basically force them out of this static situation that they're in. So they can begin to grow. And that's what I find interesting about Killmonger is in a lot of stories, just to say in Infinity War, Thanos, if he never shows up, everybody's just better off, really. (laughs) But here's the thing. Killmonger, he doesn't show up, people aren't better off. T'Challa isn't better off because the purpose of everything that happens with Killmonger is so that T'Challa can grow and become the king. Because when he defeats Mbaku and receives the crown, he doesn't become king at that moment. In the moment. mini boss
1: fight, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't.
0: He's, he doesn't become king at that moment. His bloodline gave him the crown. Mm-hmm. His bravery Monarchy. gave him the throne. But until he faced Killmonger, that's when he became king. Mm-hmm.
1: And he was very much diplomatic. And I do really like that about this story. When you see so many movies about royalty, he's a great diplomat. He listens to his advisors. And when they tell him he's wrong, he accepts that. And I really enjoy that. And here we go for ADHD moment. So many cosplayers are showing up to Black Panther dressed in coming to America
0: my costumes. F- my f- my a writer friend of mine, Maurice Broaddus, he did the same thing.
1: And thinking about it, Really, there are so few black monarchies, royalties represented in films that that's one of them. Mm-hmm. And dressing up as Prince Hakim, and we don't really get to see Prince Hakim or even James Earl Jones be diplomats because it's it's all about prince Hakim's love story and seeking the woman who's going to be his queen so we don't really get to see him do his diplomacy or act in that sort of royal sense exactly. so uh, that was very interesting and i liked seeing that a lot
0: and also an aside i think one of the things that i liked about the fact that people were coming to black panther cosplaying coming to america is again coming to america was a very successful film with a predominantly black cast. Mm -hmm. But Hollywood didn't learn the lesson then. They didn't pick up from that and go, hey, these type of movies can be very successful. So it represented to me that, hey, look, you've made a mistake in the past. Don't do it again. Black Panther is showing you that, yes, these movies make, Mm -hmm. they can make bank. If Coming to America wasn't good enough to do this, hopefully Black Panther is good enough to do this. Learn your lesson, finally. Yeah. Make it make it better for yourself. I guess
1: with Coming to America, they thought the success was in the comedy and in Eddie Murphy playing all the different characters, which I friggin' love. You know, I love all the characters that Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall do. And the barbershop, I could right. watch an entire movie of just the, the boys in the barbershop. And that's one of the things that I always remembered about, and the, the dancing in Coming to America, uh, the Paula Abdul choreography. We yeah. love it. Yes. <laughs>
0: For me, Black Panther answered a lot of questions, I think, in Hollywood, hopefully, about whether you could take a movie that's not a bunch of white people, and could it be successful? Well, absolutely it can be, and that's sort of the point of it. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see more voices in Hollywood because of this, because that benefits everybody when that happens. There's a great lesson to be learned here, that talent is what's important. And when you have a writer like Ryan Coogler that I, we could, I could go for another hour and talk about all the things he did right in the screenplay with the nuanced characters, giving everybody a backstory without making things yes. drag.
1: Every character was so important and so yes. vital.
0: And I would definitely say to people who haven't seen the movie, I know some people have said, well, there's some slow pacing where this could have been picked up a little bit more. And I completely disagree with that, because that's when the deeper story comes in. Just pay attention. Mm -hmm. Don't expect the cliche. Pay attention. And there's a deeper story there. Mm -hmm. And the pacing for me is perfect, because those moments are when you get that more important personal story. Because this is a story about how T'Challa truly becomes king. How he's able to properly take from tradition but look to the future. That was the underlying problem with Wakanda. They had that love of technology and that love of tradition and being able to meld it, but there were just some places where they didn't do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Where in trying to protect themselves, they watched a lot of atrocity happen. They watched neighbors dragged away to be made slaves. They watched world wars happen and they, Mm -hmm. they...
1: Genocides.
0: And genocides. And... Where I can understand why you might want to isolate yourself, T'Challa realized that, to quote a a young superhero named (laughs) Spider-Man, with great power comes great great responsibility. responsibility. And T'Challa, until until he was able to (laughs) look at his father and say, you were wrong. I can't let this go on. That's the moment when he became the king. Mm -hmm. And that's the story of Black Panther. And a lesser writer, a lesser director, would have gone the easy route and wouldn't have given us this deep story. Ryan Kugler is an amazing talent. It's just that Hollywood, I hope that they've learned the value of story, of other people's stories, is that the same thing over and over again isn't going to benefit anyone. Having various and different people of all walks of life being able to tell their stories That's a wonderful thing, and that's what I took away from Black Panther, and I hope that it opens up not just Hollywood, but just storytelling in general to allow more diverse stories and more voices to come out, because we're all going to be the beneficiaries when that happens, definitely.
1: So listeners, go see Black Panther. If you have seen it, go see it again.
0: <laughs> yes, and if it, and if some of the things that we said sound like oh I didn't
1: notice any of that, go back and, go back watch, and watch it. it. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch it, and you'll see a lot more of it. And don't be afraid to call out the people who get up and leave before the credits. <laughs> I did. That that
0: amazes me that people still in Marvel Tell movies them,
1: sit down. It's not over yet.
0: There's stuff to happen. It amazes me that people still don't realize that there's stuff in the credits in the Marvel movies. What? How do you not know this? Yeah, it should be obvious. So yes, yeah, stay for the credits. Stay. So. Guess what happened Sunday? You know what happened Sunday?
1: I'm going to be crying a lot on Sunday is what I think is going to be is what I think is going to happen.
0: Yes, I think that that's a very good observation. But this Sunday, the return of The Walking Dead. Walking Dead. The Walking Dead has this what they do of course, if you watch the show you know is their seasons don't run all the way through. They cut it in the middle and they put a little bit of time between it. They always end the first half of the season with a heartbreaking cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, and And they really
1: smacked us in the feels this time. They did.
0: They certainly did. And so, now that The Walking Dead is returning, we are going to, here on Geek Watch, have a weekly segment that I'm going to call What the Dead? What the Dead? We'll do a review of every episode that happens starting with this Sunday. Okay. And we could talk about it and what we think about it, what we feel about it, how many tears were shed, etc., etc. <laughs> but to start it off for this week, there, of course, was a trailer for the upcoming season, which you've seen yes. now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what did you pick up from that?
1: Okay. Well, not being a a reader of the comics, mm-hmm. hear all the, the internet buzz about the next big villain or the next big, the big bad that's happening next. I'm wondering if, like when they, they're coming up out of the water, like mm-hmm. do walkers do that? And so.
0: Well, there's been a lot of talk that they might not be walkers. They might be the whisperers. Okay. there was a big theory. bad. Okay. Right. All right. Basically humans that dress themselves in the skins of walkers and walk with them and hide in in groups of them to make themselves safe because they have these walker shields.
1: So it's like when you pour the guts on yourself. To, exactly, uh, but they but it's to, to them
0: hide. they're more dedicated to that. They live amongst the walkers. Wow. And so in the comics you had these moments where You saw walkers riding horses and carrying weapons, and people are like, oh, no, what does that mean? They're getting more intelligent. Wow. This is bad. This is bad. You find out what they are eventually. So there's been that theory. I don't know if that's the case. They're so
1: synchronized. like Lifting up out of the water just perfectly. Yeah, a
0: lot of people said that, and Mm -hmm. they said that that doesn't look like a walker thing. Right. That maybe just the way that it was edited, however, that that might be the case, that they are walkers. And, of course, the reason people have been talking about The whispers is because there's a certain thing that happened in the cliffhanger. And, yes, we're going to talk spoilers because, obviously, if you've not seen the last season, the first half of the season of of The Walking Dead, obviously we got to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But Carl got bit. I know. (laughs) And that, especially for those of us who've read the comics, was a huge shock. Mm -hmm. because that sure as heck didn't happen in the comics. And looking at the trailer, it doesn't look like Carl's gonna live. Yeah,
1: you know, I'm I'm with the deniers. I'm in denial. I'm just thinking, oh, maybe it wasn't a walker that bit him. Maybe it was a human. Maybe it was, it wasn't real. Maybe it's a dream. And I'm with the deniers and I just keep hoping that it's not gonna happen. And
0: Those of us who've read the comics, Carl has always represented the future. He's the one that represents those who are going to inherit the world. For him to survive and go on, for basically for humans to come back from this catastrophe, to recreate the world for people like Carl. He has always been that representation of the future, which I wonder if they're killing off the future, are they killing off the future of the show? Now, here's the thing. I don't want people to get the idea that I believe that every time that the Walking Dead television show strayed away from the comics, that it's always been a disaster. Mm -hmm. Because this is where we get characters like Daryl Dixon, who Mm -hmm. never appeared in the comics. This was a character created for the show. And the changes they made to Carol's character from in the comics being a very needy, depending person who winds up committing suicide at the prison by letting a walker bite her. Wow. Pretty pathetic, obviously. A pathetic kind of a situation there. And they take that character, and instead of doing that, they make her a badass. Yeah,
1: one of the most B.A. females on television at
0: this moment. They make her awesome. And so in that situation, yes, the television show got it right where the comics maybe not so much. But there have been those points where they've kind of strayed away from certain things or
1: just twisted them a little bit i believe that uh, the bob character when he was talking about tainted meat that that was originally a terminus and right. that that was a different character that they were eating his leg and he said tainted meat tainted meat right uh, that it wasn't bob but right uh, bob out of so that. i mean
0: a lot of the stuff that they adapted from the comics and changed it a little bit but the whole deal with carl dying because it looks like that's what's going to happen they're either going to kill him they're going to set this up and it's going to be like oh well that's bad or they're going to jump the shark and find some way to save them. And I think that's even going to be worse.
1: <laughs> that's I think... what I want. <laughs> that's what I want to happen, Brian. It's sci-fi. It could happen. <laughs> yes,
0: but if it's going to happen well, they need to have set up how that was going to happen already. Mm. And I don't think they've done that. And for mo- some can of the stuff... Can Carl
1: I... be the one who is immune? Can we? Well,
0: well, is is that not deus ex machina, though? It is deus it's ex totally. machina,
1: but to me, I don't care, because <laughs> I yeah. want girl to live, but I wanted Beth to live, I wanted Glenn to live, I want everyone to be happy, and...
0: But the thing is, for good storytelling, you've got to set that thing up, and from what I've been hearing behind-the-scenes stuff, I don't tend to dwell on a lot of that too much, because I'm more interested in the story, I don't necessarily need to know what's going on backstage to let that story happen, but... Some of the stuff I've been hearing is, yeah, Carl's gone. And there's been some stuff happening backstage that's made that situation necessary. Now, whatever that is, because there's all this speculation about what that might be. That being said, I understand, especially in a series that's stretched on this long, Mm -hmm. is there some things that you have to deal with that do not advance the story in the way that you want it to happen. You just have to do it because of things that have Mm -hmm. happened behind the scenes and you've got to adjust and make changes. But if AMC is doing this of their own accord, if this didn't have to happen and they decided to do it to mix things up or for whatever reason and it didn't have to happen, I think it's a mistake myself. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is, as a fan of the comics... There's a lot of stuff that Carl gets involved in later on in the stories that all that goes away. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of really good storytelling. And I don't want to go into a whole lot of details over that because they may, in some aspect, be able to salvage it to a small degree. And so I don't want to spoil that too much, but most of it has to do with Negan and giving him some depth of character.
1: Carl or Negan? Negan okay
0: yeah Mm -hmm. it gives him a a depth of character with his relationship with carl and you kind of got a little bit of hint of that on the wall which is why it was kind of heartbreaking when negan looks up and says i thought we were having a moment there (laughs) because in the comics they have a bunch of moments and they're amazing and we're going to lose all of that stuff which is a shame it's a shame that that character is going because there's a lot of story we're going to lose out of it, but I guess we'll see what happens. Mm. Some of the things that I noticed in the trailer was it does appear that Jadis' band of kinky junkers are going to bite uh, the it.
1: Trash naked hippies, yeah. Yeah,
0: they're they're all pretty much dead.
1: I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> The naked laconic trash hippies.
0: <laughs> well, of course, there's that one scene of Jadis in her nightgown sitting on the top of the trash, heartbroken, and there was a picture that was released Of her on this um, pile of trash surrounded by walkers and they were all dressed like junkers and in the trailer you see michonne and rick scrambling onto a pile of trash with zombies chasing them they look like they're dressed like junkers so and of course you have the scene in the trailer also with simon and the saviors nose to nose with jadis and he pulls out a gun So it seems that there's going to be a bad situation there, obviously, and and that the Junkers When is there
1: not a bad situation? Well,
0: (laughs) of course, there's this whole point that who really cares? The Junkers, not a lot of people like those characters. And I have to say that I always had a problem with all the scenes with the Junkers, if for no other reason, is that Rick, who knew how to deal with people, suddenly forgets completely how you deal with people every time he (laughs) deals with that crew. I mean, you have to understand whenever you're dealing with anybody- You have to think about what they want first before you think about what you want. And he would roll in and tell them what he wants. And he never once considered any of their wants at all. He just wanted their army and he wanted their strength to fight against Negan. And, of course, he went about it completely the wrong way because he just refused to deal with who they were as people. And, and yeah, they're kind of messed up and weird and all that stuff. But when you're trying to persuade anybody, you have to come from where they are, not from where you are. And so it was always annoying to me to watch those scenes because it's like suddenly Rick doesn't know how to deal with people at all. And that's... (laughs) That's not good. But, again, it definitely looks like that the kinky junkers are going to get murked down to the last. Yep. And I don't know how that's going to affect Jadis. Not well, because she's going to lose everybody. And so I wonder how that winds up changing her. And, of course, it definitely looks like we're going to lose Carl. Yeah. And this may be, the end of this season will probably be when the war ends. Which, again, you're going to wind up losing a whole bunch of story because they've accelerated it. But there's been places where they've really accelerated the show through the comic. The whole thing with the helicopter, if you remember when mm-hmm. Rick was walking and he saw the helicopter. Right. That's around now what's going on in the comics. Huh. And so they're really jumping forward with that yeah. situation. I don't want to go into any details because apparently that they're going to tell this story, but... Maybe they're skipping the Whisperers and all that completely. And if they are, wow, you're missing a lot of great storytelling Mm -hmm. in there. But if they're just going to just skip through that and go in, the problem with that, of course, is that they're going to run into the same problem Game of Thrones ran into, which is where the story starts to outstrip the source material. Mm -hmm. But then it seems like Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead, they're trying to combine these shows I strengthen both of them because Fear the Walking Dead, they're they're getting decent ratings, but from what I understand, I don't watch it. Yeah, I'm I'm a Walking Dead fan, and I don't watch Fear the Walking Mm -hmm. Dead. I tried to watch a little bit of it and just couldn't really get into it. And so it seems like that they have this philosophy that you got one ship that's starting to sink. We can tie this really healthy ship to it, and it'll be fine. And that's not what happens. You tie a sinking ship to a floating ship, then you get two sinking ships. That's that's kind of what happens. And so hopefully that's not the route they're going in. And I don't want to go into this really negative. I have high hopes for everything, but I know sometimes that Walking Dead can go off the rails a little bit and they can make mistakes, which they have in the past. And so... As of right now, I don't know if killing Carl is the best idea. I don't know if that's going to help the story or that's going to hinder the story. I know how powerful the story between Carl and Negan is. And not getting the chance to see that on the screen is going to be a major disappointment. Now, whether they recover from that, well, thats I guess we're going we'll to have the answer see. to that in the next few weeks.
1: Definitely starting on Sunday.
0: <laughs> starting on Sunday. So that being said... Starting next week, and for the next few weeks, we'll be giving our...
1: What the dead?
0: (laughs) What the dead reviews. And so obviously, it's going to be heavily spoilery. So before you listen to the podcast, watch the show. Choose wisely. Choose wisely, and we'll discuss what happens on the show and our opinions of it. And so that'll be the end of this week's podcast. Thanks for checking us out. New podcast every Saturday. Look for us on your social media if you have any suggestions. Whether it's Facebook or YouTube or you listen to us on SoundCloud or iTunes.
1: Or you play D D with me. Hi Jeremy.
0: Hi Jeremy. <laughs> so however you listen to us, if you want to use the hashtag GeekWatch, you can send messages to us or whatever social media, just give us a message. Let us know how we're doing, things that you want to hear on this show, and we're definitely here to listen to that and to give you what you want. So until next time, for Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding you that everybody's geeky about something. Be proud of your geek. See you next time.